everyone, welcome to the series called The Talk of the Table, where we're getting away from small talk and we're getting to the meat of the matter. Real, powerful conversations that can change your world. In this episode, we're gonna talk about how you can share your faith with other people or how you can understand faith in a deeper way. We hope that this talk will have an impact on you. I wanna invite you to stay to the end where I have some more information for you. And before you log off, don't forget to go to branchlife.church to fill out your connection card. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy this episode. Well, again, good morning. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, I want to particularly welcome you. I'm, I'm so glad that you're able to come on this holiday weekend. My name is Josh. I'm one of the uh, pastors here at Branch. And as Chloe mentioned, uh, those green cards are there for you to fill out today, whether you scan the QR code, which is the best way to fill them out, or just fill it out by writing on it and dropping it in the offering boxes on your way out. We would love to hear from every one of you, pray over you, and after the service Today, there will be some prayer team members available to pray with anyone who may have any prayer needs. We want to make you aware of that. We are uh, transitioning this week from last, our last series, The Talk of the Table, to the new series that will launch officially next week called LEAD. And our goal has been 100 table talks through this summer. And this is, the, this is the last Sunday, really, that we're mentioning this as far as the goal. Next Sunday, my my hope is to report to you our final number. How many table talks did we have this summer? And uh, we have, we're excited about these because every table talk means a personal conversation with somebody about faith. And you guys have been letting us know about those table talks on the green cards. So if you have had a table talk and you have not let us know that you've had that talk, please put it on the card. Let us know that you had the table talk. You don't have to tell the story, but if you do, that's a bonus. We love to pray over those stories, and uh, we want to get the final tally by September 10th. We want to celebrate this number uh, on our kickoff Sunday. So far, as of last Sunday, actually the 27th, we had 84 total table talks this summer. That's pretty amazing. So awesome stuff. By my math, we have 16 more to go to get to our goal of 100, if, if the math is correct. And so we are excited about doing that. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series called Lead. And uh, this is a great series, again, to invite people to because all of us are leaders in some way, whether we're just leading ourselves, right? We want to be better disciplined. We want to get through the day leading a family, leading our kids, leading at work, at class, at school, on our team, uh, whether you're a coach or a mentor or a shepherd or a parent or a boss or a manager, we all lead. And so what does it take to be a great leader? And that's an awesome question. A lot of people want to know this kind of stuff. And so in the next eight weeks, we're going to be talking about eight qualities of influential leaders, and the icons there represent those different qualities. These qualities are all coming from our brand new book study in the book of Nehemiah, who himself was an amazing, unexpected leader. And so we're going to be jumping into the series full two feet ahead into the deep end next Sunday with our first, first 
quality of an influential leader, we hope you will be there at 8, 9, 30, 11, or 5. Those are your options, right? Just in case you don't forget, that's what's happening. You see, I almost messed it up there, right? So uh, it's, it's happening. The change is happening. And so this series is going to kick off next week. But first, I want to take the opportunity today to answer a few questions that are basic, fundamental questions that are important for us here at Branch. Here's the three questions that I think are important in the time that we have this morning. First, how do I study the Bible? So we have, here at Branch Life Church, we are Bible-based in everything that we do. Every, every lesson that we teach, every quality that we're going to present comes from the truth of God's Word. And so we, we believe in corporate and individual and family Bible study. In our small groups, we, we open the Bible. In our, in, our, in our homes, we open the Bible. Personally, we open the Bible. And then here when we worship together, we open the Bible. And so for those of you that are beginning your spiritual journey or you've not ever participated in personal Bible study, the question is, well, how do I do that? And, and we teach just some really great, easy things I'm going to go over in just a moment to answer that question. Now we are jumping into the Old Testament. We're studying an Old Testament book. So we studied the book of Acts, we studied the book of Matthew together, and now we're going to do our first Old Testament book kind of in the, la- in the last few years in the book of Nehemiah. And the Old Testament, right, seems to be somehow different than the New Testament. There's a, there's a separation between the Old and New, so how do I study then the Old Testament? We're going to spend a lot of time in the Old Testament in the next few months. And then more specifically, how do we study the book of Nehemiah? So the the first question we're answering today is the broadest and the most important. How do I study the Bible? If you have your Bibles, go with me to James chapter 1. James 1 gives us the answer about how to study our Bibles. James is a super practical New Testament book written by the brother of Jesus, who probably, right, why would any brother read their brother's book? Yeah, I don't know. But Jesus, if if you figure out your brother's God, you're going to be all about it. And so James not only writes one of the books of the Bible, but he talks to us about the word itself. How do we handle the word of God? Uh, In uh, James chapter 1, starting in verse 19, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore... Put away all filthiness and wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The question we're not answering today is why should I study the Bible? James gives us kind of the big one, right? It's able to save our souls, but don't get mad when the Bible corrects you, right? Don't be angry when all of a sudden you, the Bible says you have a problem. Don't get upset when God corrects your bad behavior. And isn't anger one of the things that automatically stops us from pursuing God in a greater level? God, how could you do this to me? God, how could you judge me like that? How could, how could the church put that pressure on me to, to make a different choice? Why, why in the world would you ever approach me about my behavior? Like, get away from me. You do you. I'll do me, right? You're not the boss of me. Well, as a matter of fact, God is the boss of you, and he saved your soul, right? So the Bible, if we can set anger aside and we can receive with meekness, with humility, the word of God. All right, God, whatever it is you want to tell me, I want to hear. Whatever it is you want me to change, I want to change. Wherever I am wrong, I want to be now right in you. And so we come to these words with humility. These are God's words. Verse 22 
but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if ever, anyone is a hearer of the word, but he's not a doer, he's like the man that looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, and when he looks at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looked like. But the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in what he is doing. See, the word of God, the Bible says, is alive. And the word of God's intention is not to entertain us. The word of God's intention is not to educate us. The word of God's intention is to transform us. And it happens through connecting through the word of God to the word himself, Jesus Christ. So every time we come to the word of God, we are seeking transformation in God. It's alive. It is, it is able to even penetrate the deepest parts of our bones. And so what do we do? How do we approach it? Well, James chapter 1, verse 25 gives us three basic steps for studying the Bible. And it says, first, the one who looks into the perfect law and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed. What are these three steps? Well, first, we have to look at it. First, we have to look at it. Then, we got to think about it. Then, we got to do it. Step number one is look. Step number two is think. Step number three is do. I could spend a month in each of these. I'm going to wrap them up into like two minutes each, right? What do we mean by look? First, we mean observe. When you look at it, that simply means I am reading, I am hearing, I am observing what is taking place. If you are not picking up the word of God and your eyeballs are not reading the words, you are not accomplishing step number one. And for so many of us, the reason we don't study the Bible well is we don't take the time to look at it. We don't have a regularly scheduled moment in our life where we have intentional, set-aside, personal time in the Word of God where we simply are reading. If you don't know where to start, you just start. Step number one is to look. I've got to look before anything else takes place. When you look, you simply then look well. You want to look with the power of observation. Uh, the observation is kind of like a superpower that, that some people have and other people don't have, right? And if you, if you know an observant person, they tend to like catch things that other people don't catch. How many of you would say you're observant? I'm, I'm one of those observant people. How many of you know an observant person, right? You don't understand what I'm talking about. When you are looking, it's more than just in the beginning, God read the, uh, made the world, and the, and the world is God, and the world is with God, and now everything in the beginning came from God. Good. Done. Read it. Off. No, no. That, that's not observing. That's speed reading, right? When we observe, we look with intent, and we try to answer the question, what do you see? So in every one of these steps, to help us do it well, there's an exercise that you can choose to use or not. The exercise that I like in the look step is to mark it up. I love taking the Word of God and marking it up, taking notes and trying to understand what is there, using those notes, those marks to help me observe and see who, what, where, why, when, how. 
The second step, once you've observed, is then to think, and we call this interpretation. The think stage, the whole goal is to get to the meaning. What does this mean? Why did God give me these words, this story, and this book? This exercise is simple, simply called question and answer. You want to work at questioning the word of God and getting answers. And there's thousands of ways to do this. You can look at other scripture, you can talk to other people, you can use commentaries, but the exercise of question and answer is super healthy. Ask a question and then go after the answer to that question. You're trying to figure out what it means. Then we do it. Once I know what it means, now I've actually got to put into practice what I've read. I've got to change. This is called application. We all in the last 20 years have become very familiar with apps. There is an app for that, right? For every scripture, for every truth principle in scripture, for every verse that you read, there is an application. There's millions of them. And our job when we read the scripture is to ask the question, how will I change? How will I grow? What, what should be different about me now that I've read this word? And the way we do that is you simply put the ac action into, into, put an item into action, create an action item or an application statement. If you've ever been a part of a business meeting where they have an agenda and they're going through the agenda, right, the leader of the meeting often in the meeting will highlight the action item that you as the attender of the meeting have to do next. So as a result of this meeting, I would like you to now go out from here and interview five people. That's your action item. Pastor Josh gave me an action item. I'm supposed to invite five people to next week's fall kickoff. That's an action item. You actually want to assign yourself action items. These are do statements that cause you to take what you've read and now put it into action. Now let me give you an example of these three steps. So we'll take our verse, James chapter 1, and we're, first we're going to look at it. We're going to ask the question, what do we see, and mark it up. And so here I've marked up the verse. I'm just trying to make observations. There's no like real method to this madness. It's all individual for you. This is how my brain looks on paper, right? The one, so as soon as I'm like, well, it's talking about the one. Is that Neo, right? Like is it, is it matrix situation? Is it the one and only? Is it anyone, right? So now I'm starting to like ask questions. But at this moment, I'm just observing the one, so the individual who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, that seems to be connected, and they persevere, being not a hearer who forgets, okay, don't do that, but be a doer who acts, he will be blessed. There's a result there, there's an there's a, there's a equation here in what he is doing. And so I see, I see first, we're supposed to look at the word of law, we're supposed to think about it, so that's where that came from, persevere, chew on it. And then we're supposed to act on it. We're supposed to do something. All of that comes from observation. I'm just seeing it here. I'm observing the book that I'm reading. All right, what, what do I need to know about James, right, where this came from? Well, James is a letter. It's a letter that was written. It was written by James, the brother of Jesus. It was written to the church. And every time you come to a new book of the Bible, we're going to be in Nehemiah, you want to observe who it is, what it is, what type of writing it is, who it was written to and why it was written. 
So all of those things are just observations that I can make in one verse. You can do this with a whole chapter. You can do this with a study journal. If you come next week, you're going to get the journal for Nehemiah. The whole purpose is you have something to write in, so you can mark it up and simply make observations. Who's in it? What's it saying? What are the action words? What's the setting? What's the situation? First, I want to just see what's there. Second, I now want to think about it. Your goal in the second step is to identify a truth principle. Now, a truth principle is simply defined as this. It's a universally true principle for everyone, everywhere, and every time. Truth is truth always. Truth is truth everywhere. Truth is truth for everyone. And so my goal when I'm reading the word of truth is to identify what are these truths that will apply to me, that will also apply to James, that also will apply to my grandkids and the next generations coming up. What are the truth principles? Every passage of scripture has a specific meaning. There is a truth there that was intended to be communicated by God. And that's the truth that you are looking for. There are not dozens of different truths. There is the truth that the passage is communicating. And, and there are truths within truths, and there are truths next to truths, and there's lots of truths in passages. You can find multiple truths that are connected, but not different truths. The truth in the passage shouldn't be different for you than it is for your spouse. Then it's not the truth. It's got to be true for everyone. In the question phase, I'm asking myself, what does this mean? And so as I start looking at it, I can see, well, it looks like there is a equation. Look plus thinking plus doing then results in something. Can I, I'm going to ask my question, can I just do one without the other and successfully read the Bible? Well, no. It's, it seems like there's a, a connection with these three things. So What's the truth principle here? Well, if I'm going to sum up the truth from this verse, I could say it this way. The verse is teaching those who live biblical lives will be blessed. Those who live biblical lives will be blessed. Who's the one? The one who reads the word of God, looks at it, thinks about it, and then does it. If he doesn't just hear it, but he does it, then what happens? Well, then the action is he will be blessed by God. Do you want God's blessing in your life? Yes, I do, <laughs> right? Do I want the favor of my boss and my parents and my teacher? Yes, yes, I do. Well, how do I do that? Well, you read, you understand, and you apply the word of God. When you live a biblical life, life you will be blessed. When a friend of yours who's a Christian comes and corrects some unbiblical behavior in your life, don't get mad at them. Thank them. Because they are trying to connect you to the blessing, God's best for your life. What a powerful truth. When I identify that truth, I now know that's true for me. I know that's true for everyone everywhere. If we live according to the word of God, God blesses our lives. I can do a lot more study in trying to understand that. But let's just use that basic illustration for our third step. Do I then, how do I do it? How will I change? This is where I want to create an, an action item. If I have the truth principle, then I want to create the action statement. And here's just one example of an action statement. For seven days, right, I will share my daily action statement at dinner or a post online. 
Here's, here's the assignment that I'm giving myself after I've read James chapter 1. I'm going to tell my family for the next seven days what my action item is for my daily time in God's Word. That, that assignment alone is transformational. A, I've got to read the Bible, I've got to think about it, I've got to write an application statement. B, I've then got to communicate that with my family who I'm gathering with for dinner. Maybe you don't have a family. Maybe you want to be accountable online. You say, hey, today in God's word, I learned this, and so therefore I'm doing this, right? And I'm giving myself an action case. Is, now, is this, is this necessary for life and happiness? No. This is just an, an option. This is an application statement. Here's the difference between the truth and the application. There's one truth, right, in God's word. There's one meaning that God meant. The application's are endless. There are millions of ways that you can apply the truth of God. That means your wife and you could apply it differently. Your kids could apply it differently. You can write a million different application statements that put this practice into action. And when you study the Bible, as you get to that third step, you have the freedom with the power of the Holy Spirit to say, God, help me understand how I should change. And what's going to make this application statement unique is it's going to be something that only you can do. It's going to be personal. It's going to have time to it. It's got to get done in a certain time. It's going to have action. Otherwise, it's not an act, ap application statement. And it's going to be measurable. In other words, can I, can I actually do it or, or can I actually tell if I did it and did a good job or not? So here you have a, a simple application statement based on a truth principle that came from observing the word of God. That process can take you five seconds, it can take you five minutes, it can take you five hours, right? It's up to you as you read and investigate God's word, how you look at it, think about it, and do it. And it can blend together, but it's the basic building blocks of biblical Bible study. Looking at it, understanding it, and then doing it. Now, what I want us not to forget is that we should always remember the Bible is more than a self-help book. The Bible is primarily, its primary purpose is to connect us to God himself. When you read the Bible, you are not just reading how to, you are reading who. And when you read the Bible, you are connecting to the mind of God himself. You are learning about the attributes of who God is. You should worship him greater. You should appreciate him more. You should be able to feel like you're closer to him, to know him, to understand him, and then be an imitator of him. That's the purpose of the Bible is to connect us to God. If you are reading just an academic textbook, you're then missing the main thing. I want to know God more. Therefore, J.C. Riley says this, let us read our Bibles reverently, diligently, and with honest determination to practice and believe all we find in them. Let us read the Bible reverently, diligently, and with honest determination to practice and believe all that we find in them. You see, Timothy explains God's word this way in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God. And is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. 
The Bible will connect me to God and transform my life. You see, the Bible explains the gospel so we can believe it. The Bible reveals God so we can know him. The Bible instructs us in godliness so we can be like him. And the Bible connects us to God so we can have life. John says this, and Matthew says this in Matthew 4, 4, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. This is a life-giving word. This is the bread of life. And we live by this. We truly live. So that's the Bible, right? I, how do I study it, look at it, think about it, do it? That's a lifelong pursuit. You'll sharpen those tools as you get into Bible study. I go through that process myself every time I present. So if you're really paying attention, you'll kind of see those three steps every time we get together. Now the question then becomes, how do I study the Old Testament? Luke chapter 24, verses 44 and 45 says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. And everything written about me, this is Jesus, in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to the understanding of the scripture. Jesus gives credit and credibility to the Old Testament. Moses is the writer of the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. The prophets, the major prophets, the minor prophets give us a majority of the other books. We have the Psalms that were written in there. Whenever you hear the law and prophets, that's somebody just talking about the Old Testament. Jesus is saying what's written in the Old Testament must be fulfilled. What's written in the Old Testament must be true. What's written in the Old Testament is the word of God. And so the Old Testament and the New Testament carry the weight of truth. They give us the ability to understand God well. And so we have to spend time in both the Old and the New Testament. But there is a difference, right? One is old, one is new. One is before Christ, one is after Christ. And that's the major differentiator between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament before Christ, New Testament after Christ. If I understand that one truth, I can now dive in very well to the New Testament. So how do I study the Old Testament? Well, here's, here's some thoughts. The Old Testament is God's story leading up to our story throughout history. The Old Testament is God's story leading up to our story throughout history. Who's the R? The church. And God, the Old Testament is bringing us up to date on what God has been doing throughout history. The Old Testament reveals the movement of God through the creation of the world, the history of his people, and the mystery of the Messiah. The Old Testament is revealing the mystery of the Messiah. It's talking about Jesus who is the one to come. So how do we, how do we read it? Well, we look at it, we think about it, and we do it. Same process. As a matter of fact, when James was giving us the instructions that he gave us, he was giving us instructions for the Old Testament. Look at the perfect law, see what needs to change, and then change it. Here's, here's another way to understand it, and it's my, my favorite thing to illustrate. When we look, think, do, we are basically traveling through the islands of time. We start at the Bible island, we then cross 
the universal truth bridge to today's island, right? So when I am looking, I am just seeing what was then, who was there, and, and what, what, what I'm being told. I now try to understand what's true for everyone everywhere. Now here's the challenge with the truth principle, right? So I have the bridge, I have the water under the bridge, I have island number one and island number two that has McDonald's on it, right? The truth carries between the two islands. On this island is Abraham and Noah and, and the Tower of Babel. On this island is, is King David and shepherds. On this island is, is uh, people getting baptized, right, after meeting Jesus on the road. Uh, you have Paul and Peter. They're all over here, right? And between this island and this island, we have things like time and we have geography that we have to get over. We have different languages, right, that, that people are talking about. There's culture that changes. And all of that stuff, the, the bridge has to go over all of that stuff. In the Old Testament, we have stuff that happened, in, including the law, that were connected to this time. Some of that doesn't cross over the bridge, because some of it is before Christ and some of it's after Christ. We have to constantly be deciding, be figuring out what is the truth that travels the bridge to today, where we are. And then that truth impacts my life, the school that I'm at, the job that I have, the family that I'm raising, the finances that I'm responsible for, the church that I attend. And I'm taking everything that I'm seeing, I'm applying it, right? I'm understanding the truth that's universal, and I'm bringing it over to today. That's the basics of Bible study. So when you study the Old Testament, you just continue that process. So how do I then study the book of Nehemiah? Well, we're going to start the book of Nehemiah next week. And in Nehemiah, we're going to ask ourselves some questions. First, how does Nehemiah fit into God's story? How does Nehemiah fit into God's story? Why is Nehemiah someone we know about? God gives us Nehemiah for a reason. So how does it fit into God's story? And we're constantly going to be saying, what does this teach us, show us, reveal to us about God's movement through time? Second, how are we to understand Nehemiah? Do we, are we just supposed to take great leadership qualities and just leave it at that and just be better leaders like Nehemiah? Well, part of that's there. And so we're going to focus on leadership and what it teaches us about leadership but it's in the light of God's story. And then thirdly, how does Nehemiah fit into our story today? How does this change us? How does this, how does this uh, cause us to know and understand God better? We're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah over the course of, of six months. We're going to start with the first four chapters with our leadership series. Then in November, we're going to have a new series through the next three chapters called Good Work. He's actually building the, uh, the wall of Jerusalem. And then we're going to end the series in, in the new year with a series called What Matters Most. That's going to help us travel through the entire book together. And when you get your journal, you'll be able to use it and track along. It all starts next week with these brand new service times. And so we want to be uh, asking God to, to use the, this new book study to help us as we dig into God's word to be more like Christ and see transformation happen in our lives. God... We dedicate this next study to you. We, help, we hope, God, that you will guide us and reveal the truth of your scripture to us, that we, Lord, would uh, 
be more in love with you and be more like you every time we gather, every time we worship, every time we're exposed to, to your words. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the Old and New Testament. We thank you for the book of Nehemiah. And we pray, God, that, that we would be excited about diving into it together. Transform us in these, in these days and weeks ahead. Help us, God, uh, to, to uh, reflect you. And Lord, would you help us take our next steps in the spiritual journey before us. In your precious name we pray. Hey guys, thanks for listening through that conversation today. And my prayer is that you'll be able to have powerful conversations in the days and weeks ahead where you can share your faith and see others come to faith. If that happens and someone comes to Christ because of your table talk, would you let us know? The best way you can do that is filling out your connection card anytime online at branchlife.church. We're there 24 seven and we would love to hear how God is using this series in your life. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue to have more conversation around the talk of the table.